This is a podcast from the University of Manchester's Jodrell Bank Center for Astrophysics. For the full show and archives, visit jodcast.net. So I'm here uh, at the 50 Years in Pulsar's conference dinner with Anne Archibald. Um, Anne, do you want to just take it away? Sure, yeah. I'm here to talk about a fantastic result we have working with Nina Kuzinskaya, uh, with Jason Hessels, with them, uh, a whole bunch of Pulsar people. We found this awesome Pulsar. In fact, we found it with a broken telescope. The Greenback telescope was broken. They couldn't <laughs> point it. So they, we just picked an elevation, let the sky roll past, okay. and there have been so many awesome pulsars that came out of that. This one is a triple system. Millisecond pulsar orbited by a white dwarf every 1.6 days, orbited by another white dwarf every 327 days. System. Yeah. Wow. It's the only one, well, asterisk, almost the only one known. Okay. Only one with two stars. Yeah. And cool, we did some timing, interesting source, but... It lets us test this cool feature of relativity. Uh, you may have heard of this idea that one of the ideas of relativity is that if you are in a box laboratory sitting on the Earth you have with 1G acceleration, you do experiments, or you're in an elevator accelerating upwards in space with 1G, you can't tell the difference, the equivalence principle. Yeah. And it's not just true for mixing chemical kind of experiments. It's true for gravitational experiments. If you've right. got a torsion balance, you can't tell the difference. And it turns out GR is the only theory that's true for So, testing that is great. The problem is to test it, you need things that have strong gravity. And it's hard to build a thing with a strong gravitational field in your laboratory. So we do it in space. And so the Earth-Moon-Sun system, for example, you ask, does the Earth fall the same way in the Sun's gravity as the Moon? Answer so far is yes. The problem is the strong gravity of the Earth. Well, if you take the gravitational binding of the Earth divided by the mass over C squared, you get one part in a billion. But we have a neutron star. And the mass is, the binding energy is a tenth of its mass. Right. So this is a great system. If ever it's okay. going to show up, it's going to show up here. Okay. So we ask, well, does the neutron star and the white dwarf fall the same way in the gravity of the other white dwarf? So we've done this long, we've got five years of observations, detailed observations. We've been working on it really hard. I mean, the standard way to do pulsar timing is you just make a model, you fit it to your data, you get the fit results and the uncertainty based on your noise. Yeah. And so we tried that, and we had this very uncomfortable situation <laughs> where... The fit value didn't seem to agree with GR. Oh, no. And you don't want to, like, claim that if you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly. I knew we were wrong yeah, because yeah. our telescopes didn't agree with each other. Yeah. But I couldn't say how wrong yeah. or what our limits were or, or didn't know what to do about it. Or why you were wrong, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we now have a result because we figured out, well, we did improve our wrongness. Yeah. But the main thing is we've managed to measure our wrongness. So we can say we know... This is working with Nina Gusinskaya. We can measure that there are wiggles in our data that look like what we're looking for but aren't. Right. That are 50 nanoseconds long. And okay. I mean, 50 nanoseconds is 150 feet, 30 meters. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Not, not far. It's not a big wiggle. Exactly. But it's bigger than we could theoretically detect. And, you know, so you spotted a kind of pattern. Yeah. And so we were able to say, well, look, there are 50 nanosecond wiggles. Mm. So there could easily be a 50 nanosecond wiggle that cancels out with a GR violation. Right. The gravity violation. So that's where our limit comes from. Okay. Now, that means there are still 50 nanosecond wiggles when in theory we could detect the 7 nanosecond wiggles. So there's ro- a lot of room for improvement here. Uh-huh. If we can figure out how where our wiggles are coming from, <laughs> we can get better. Okay, okay. So this is still preliminary. This is why we haven't published so, yet. So you're still kind of but quantifying the... the at 50 yeah. nanoseconds, our result is still about 50 times better than the best current result. Okay. And this is not because we're brilliant. I mean, although I think we've got some really good people. You sound brilliant to me, to be fair. <laughs> it's, 
the difference is that we've got a neutron star to work with when they yeah. hit the Earth. Okay. And the so gravity of a neutron star is fantastically stronger. Because a neutron star, right? It's about yeah, 10 yeah. centimeters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this incredibly exactly. dense, bizarre, yeah. preposterous yeah. object. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That also, incredibly, serves as a super accurate clock uh-huh, that uh-huh. sends radio signals so you can measure the clock uh-huh. from 4,000 light years away. So right. it's a fantastic object. Okay. So it's a fantastic test of this principle of GR. And so we are already 50 times better than the best current tests. And we're not ready to publish because we're hoping to maybe squeeze that down a bit. Yeah. And of course, we have to write it up in detail. But it's a very, very promising result. And it was made possible by our ability to quantify these, to measure these wiggles well, that are left in our data. Yeah, yeah, that's and a... I say wiggles. The biggest one I've found so far is, it turns out our source is almost in the plane of the ecliptic. So every March, ah, as it crawls across the sky, as the Earth goes around the sun... <laughs> Yep. It passes not yeah. behind the sun. It's within yeah. four diameters of the sun. Oh, no way. <laughs> and so you can imagine that there's some stuff coming off the sun that messes our signal. Yeah. If we were optic, we wouldn't look at it at all. Yeah. But radio, the sun brightness doesn't bother us so yeah. much. But the excess gunk coming off the sun, exactly. solar wind. Don't I know it. <laughs> and so figuring out what to do with the solar wind is one of the ways I'm hoping we can improve our result. Okay, okay. But so we're already at the point of yeah. dramatically better than the best current tests. Cool. And so I'm gonna have to I'm also gonna have to look into which specific theories do we shoot down. Einstein is looking good. <laughs> but his competitors, you know, they're they're shifty, right? Okay, they okay. they can maybe tune some parameters and get close enough to GR to pass yeah. our test. But we'll yeah. still have to see quite which theories we shoot down. That's uh, But it's an exciting result and we're looking forward to writing it up. That is really exciting. That's great. You know, thank you so much for telling me about that. No um, problem. Just to remind me what is your affiliation? I work at the Anton Panikuk Institute at the University of Amsterdam. Oh, hello, Oh, wonderful. Yeah. We've got a great pulsar group there. A yeah. lot of high-energy people studying equations of state, creation of neutron stars. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's a good place to work. Good. Cool. Great. Well, it was really nice talking to you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much for telling me that story. No problem. That's uh, really exciting. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing more. Sure, yeah. Well, Cheers. we're hoping to publish soon. Maybe we yeah. can come back and tell you about yeah, it. absolutely. Do let us know. Sure. Cheers. Thanks.